2: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers, Resuby Nation, and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. The pads finally came on for the Green Bay Packers in the 2020 training camp and the, the bizarre training camp that it is. And I don't want us to be making sweeping generalizations. I don't want us to be going, okay, after two, three practices, this is ironclad. This is what's happening. This is the deal. But we are looking to identify trends. We are trying to figure out, okay, who is lining up where? Okay, what is base defensive formation look like? Which Uh, personnel on offense are they trying to incorporate in a new way and we're already getting some glimpses into that we're already able to learn some things about what the focus of this team has been how they hope to improve in 2020 and i want to particularly emphasize the incorporation of tyler Urban. The Packers were on pace for a historically bad return season when they signed Tyler Irvin, a little-known running back, to join the squad and become the team's primary returner. He returned kicks, he returned punts, and immediately produced results. Immediately produced results. He... He didn't come to Green Bay until the first week of December. But he immediately made an impact. Four returns for 51 yards against Washington. That's a 12.75 per carry. average. Against Chicago the next week, two for 71 kick returns, including a near 50-yarder. And then all of a sudden, you start to see, oh, he's getting some offensive snaps. He has a target against the Vikings. and eh, not a big deal. But then all of a sudden, we see him in Detroit. He's lining up, split out wide. He, he had three targets in that Lions game and had what could have been a touchdown if Aaron Rodgers had put it on him. Against the Lions, he played 19% of snaps, almost 20% of snaps. Against the Seahawks, he played 11% of offensive snaps. Against the 49ers, he played 17% of offensive snaps. Matt LaFleur almost immediately, upon Irvin getting to Green Bay, identified him as someone who could help a passing game that needed a little bit of life, that needed a little bit of juice. And that has carried over. So while we can't take and glean enormous amounts of information, okay, these guys are going to be these players in these orders, this is the depth chart, and it's done, it's settled right away. No. No. That is not where we are yet. And in two weeks, three weeks, maybe we can start having those conversations. But it's clear right away. Matt LaFleur wants to find ways to get Tyler Irvin involved, including a position change. Technically, he's a running back. But last year, we saw him lined up as an H-back. They ran a really fun quasi-jet sweep, but he's an H-back, so it's not really a true jet against the Seahawks. They had a couple of different packages for him against the Seahawks. And that was fun. That was Matt LaFleur off a bye week going, how can we create some matchup advantages and identifying Irvin as one of those guys who could do that. Now, part of that is it's an unscouted look, and so, okay, the the Seahawks just don't know who this guy is, and if he's on the field, it's just going to be like, wait, how do we what is it? What's happening? That's not going to be the case anymore. Teams are going to know that that he is in the scouting report, that he's in the game plan. But they're still looking to find ways to get him the ball with an opportunity to do something with it. Because the, the cool thing about returners is the reason they return is they have explosiveness with the ball in their hands. And so few teams are able to harness that and use it in a productive way. The Chiefs didn't get explosive production from Mecole Hardman last season because he's a polished route runner and he's going out there and he's running blaze outs and post corners and these refined moves to get open. No, they found mostly gadget ways to get him involved because his speed is devastating, because his ability to create with the ball in his hand is devastating. And it's the thing the Bears were never able to unlock in, with Devin Hester. They were never able to say, okay, he is incredible with the ball in his hands in space. Now what? And, and actually, I think that would change given the way that offense looks today. You'd get him on jet sweeps. You, you'd get him the ball in his hands in some of these unique situations that, that teams are already using. You'd use him like you use Tyreek Hill. And Tyree Kill, I think, is, is pretty clearly a better pure receiver than Hester was. But Tyree Kill is not destroying corners because he is this ultra-polished route runner. No, he does it because he's got pure, nasty, lethal speed, and he can change direction in short areas. Now, he, like I said, is a better pure receiver than Hester was. But not any more or less impressive with the ball in his hands. Not any faster, really. I mean, Hester made everyone look silly in his prime with his ability to just outrun everyone. And Irvin is not a 4-2 guy. But he pretty clearly has some juice with the ball in his hands. And and in those interesting packages against the Seahawks, they were able to find him seams and he was able to hit them and create with them. Can you do that again? If he's going to work with the receivers, he doesn't have to do anything particularly creative. He doesn't have to be this refined Devontae Adams-level route runner. He just needs to be able to create with the opportunities that Matt LaFleur gives him. And this is something that Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are experts at. Get your playmakers the chance to make plays. Just get them a short little pass, a Debo Samuel little RPO slant. Create some space for him and let him work. And, And that's what you need when, you know, Giannis... The Bucks lost to the magic, that sucks. But Giannis, if he has space to work, that's all he needs because one little crack and he's going to be by you and it's a dunk. You have to be able to set your guys up to make plays because not everyone can just do everything. You don't have to do anything special to get Devontae Adams involved. But most players need a little bit of help. And so, okay, if you can get him in those RPO slants, you know, in, in practice yesterday they ran a little swing pass to Irvin. And because you have blockers out there like Alan Lazard who was on that play and Jake Kummerow out there, you know, they're willing blockers. And so all of a sudden you've got a matchup advantage. You've got a receiver who's going to win his matchup with the blocker and you've got either a linebacker or a safety closing on someone like Tyler Irvin who can make something happen in those scenarios. So no, there's no Randall Cobb elite slot receiver who's just going to torch slot corners. Packers don't have that. And, and really, they don't need that necessarily. What they do have is a group of playmakers who, if given the right opportunities, can make plays. And that's going to be Matt LaFleur's goal. Clearly, Tyler Irvin is part of that mix. Is he someone who's going to catch 50 passes in a season? No way. No way. It's just not who he is. He's he's not going to pass guys like MVS and Jay Kummerow and and EQ on the depth chart. And, and even Darius Shepard. But is he someone who can play running back, who can play receiver, who can return kicks, and who is going to be able to give you three or four or five gadget plays a game? Yeah, he is. And it's something that I wish Mike McCarthy had done with someone like Jeff Janis. Just find ways to use that guy. I mean, you remember a couple years ago, 2016, in the run the table stretch, they they ran a reverse for Jeff Janis against the Seahawks. They had no idea what was going on. And, and that's how you use players who have unique physical gifts but don't have the nuance and the polish and maybe never will to be able to win one-on-one matchups on the outside. But just give them an opportunity a game, three, four opportunities a game to use that playmaking ability and who knows? Once a game, they can they can bust something wide open for you and they can create a long touchdown that you need. and And they might be able to win you a game In that scenario, all of a sudden, okay, you've got a 10-point lead. You've got this cute little play you run for Tyler Irvin. Now it's a 17-point lead. He scores for you. Game's out of reach. I mean, there, there can be the difference between winning and losing just on a handful of plays. That's how thin the margin is in the NFL. And if they can get some packages for Tyler Irvin, that can create some variance. It can create some explosiveness for this team and help them create big plays where last year, They were not consistently able to do that. And if they can, that could bring their offense back to what we're used to seeing. And speaking of being back, Built Bar is back, at least on the Locked On Podcast Network. And to you, they never left because they were just in the lab creating all sorts of new flavors to try and titillate your taste buds. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake. Apple almond crisp to go along with all of the incredible flavors that they already had. Built Bar is great for the health conscious person, someone who's looking to lose or maintain weight, but you still want to indulge. You know, you still need a little something sweet. You know, you come home from work or you come back from a workout and you need a little some, some. Well, these are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber bars, great for keto. And they have a ton of protein. And not a lot of sugar. That is the best part about them. Right now, you can get a free cooler while supplies last with purchase. Go to Biltbar.com and use the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first order. That's Biltbar.com with the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first order.
0: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
2: So far in training camp, we've seen the DBs come to the fore. And it's not Jair Alexander, although he is matching up with Devontae Adams trying to do the thing that, you know, Kevin King was trying to do a few years ago. Iron sharpens iron, that whole premise. And there is a a difficulty here because the Packers cornerback group right now is deeper than the receiver group. And they have not received the credit that they deserve for the talent that they displayed last season this was the eighth best team in pro football focus's coverage grade last year they were ninth in passing defense dvoa the pass rush got all the accolades the pass rush zadaria smith preston smith kenny clark and rightfully so those guys are awesome but the coverage unit was outstanding and when they weren't that's when they lost games. That first 49ers game, Green Bay lost because of two big plays, the Debo Samuel touchdown at the end of the first half and the George Kittle touchdown after the Packers put together a really good drive. that one sealed it. They lost to the Chargers because early on, the the Chargers were able to create some big plays down the field, blown coverages, touchdowns, Green Bay's offense can't get on track. and they lost to the Eagles. Because they couldn't cover the tight ends and they couldn't stop Carson Wentz on third and long. They couldn't get off the field and they couldn't create the turnover that they needed at the most opportune time. The rest of the season, they did exactly that. Think back to week one. Adrian Amos makes what looked like the game ceiling interception. Kevin King, week two, makes, if not the game ceiling interception, a game tilting interception in the end zone. Green Bay's ability to make those plays in the red zone was a huge part of their red zone success. That's something that that does vary from season to season. But if you look at someone like Kevin King, with the length and the ball skills that he has, when the field shortens, he has a better opportunity of getting his hands on the football. He closes down those lanes. It's like a shot blocker going up against an, a, an offense that doesn't have any shooting. When you have to drive the lane... When you have to throw the ball into a certain area, Kevin King can shut you down. And it's not just those guys. I mean, we haven't even really heard Darnell Savage's name much, but Shannon Sullivan making some nice plays. We talked yesterday about Vernon Scott making some nice plays. Josh Jackson had some nice plays on Monday, had a should-have-been interception, but another pass breakup some other good reps, and and he's absolutely fighting to be the guy on the outside long-term. If Kevin King is not an option, if he's not the solution here, and Green Bay can't come to a long-term agreement, they did draft Josh Jackson. He's still under contract, and they have a chance to see what he can do. Still really like that talent. I'm not going to give up on that talent. I think Josh Jackson is was a better prospect coming out than Kevin King was, and I still think he can be a really good NFL player. This secondary is good. It's good. And Matt LaFleur said in his post-practice press conference that he feels as good about this secondary as any group in the NFL. Now, that's pretty high praise. The Patriots secondary is still pretty loaded. And I think the 49ers with Richard Sherman, and I, I like some of their Emmanuel Mosley, and their slot corner, Kwan Williams, is really good. The Bills have a really good secondary. I mean, there are are certainly some other contenders here, but it's not crazy. It's really not. The Steelers have a really good secondary. The Ravens have a really good secondary. Green Bay has one of the six or seven best groups in the league. And when you compare it to other teams that have good secondaries, Green Bay's pass rush is as good or better than any of those groups, certainly better than what the Patriots have. And I think better than what the bills have. So this passing defense can be really good in 2020 can be really good. And we, we, we really haven't given them enough credit and and they've sort of proven that by saying, Hey, look, here we are. We're going to keep making plays until you recognize how good we've been. And we're going to keep pushing forward and we're going to keep spearheading this defensive approach because we know how essential coverage is in any defense. So I think it's worth shouting them out. Remember, this is all early, but this is not a snap reaction to two or three practices. It's not. This was a really good secondary last year. And so when when you see that, when you see, okay, this team was something last year, and then they come out and from the jump, once again, look like that team, you're going, okay, this is sustainable because this is what we thought we saw last year. And then for them to come out and say, yeah, this really is our identity. It's a little bit of proof of concept. That was not a fluke. These guys are really talented, and if they can stay healthy, and that's critical, especially for guys like Kevin King, the Packers' defense was really hurt when Darnell Savage was out last year. That was a big reason why they lost that Eagles game. If they can put that stuff together and and push it forward, they can be better. And now all of a sudden, instead of the ninth best passing defense by DVOA, they're the sixth best or they're the fifth best, and that is the difference. You know, the Chiefs last year, even go back to the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl 2010. They were a great passing defense and a fine run defense, a passable run defense. They weren't great. But when you have a good offense and the offense is looking sharp early, when you have a great passing defense, that's what matters the most. That's what matters the most. And the Packers showing something and that passing secondary to say, look, we are legit. We are real. What we saw last year was not just the pass rush, although the pass rush is also off to a good start, then that is something that you can you can say, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe we're, Maybe we can take something here because it is just underscoring what we already thought we knew about this team based on last season.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wise. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs. And now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies. So when you send, spend or convert money with Wise, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try Wise for free at wise.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shell.
2: I do just want to mention uh, the Packers had some injuries yesterday, and it's worth mentioning. You know, Montrevious Adams was carted off the field. Ian Rappaport reported it is a sprained toe, so not something to be overly concerned about. Uh, Matt LaFleur made it seem like all of the guys who were hurt were not. He didn't have any updates on the new guys. Darius Smith left the field, did not return, although that didn't seem serious. David Bakhtiari left the field. That didn't seem serious, but you never know. You just never know because there have been a ton of injuries early on, a ton of injuries. Vince Beagle, season-ending injury. Gerald McCoy for the Cowboys, season-ending injury to the point that they were able to release him because they had a clause in his contract that if he hurts his squad, they can cut him. Wow. that That is pretty incredible. So, and then, you know, you, you have this Montrevious Adams thing. He was, he was making plays, coming out and, and winning some matchups and doing some things and looking like, okay, this is going to be the year for him and now he's hurt. Okay, not a serious injury, hopefully. You look around the league, these, this is happening. You know, Jalen Hurd is going to miss the year. Vince Beagle is going to miss the year. Gerald McCoy, obviously going to miss the year. We're already seeing some of the dominoes fall. And if Green Bay can avoid those major injuries, and we know they're going to have some, it's just it's an it's an if and a when. It's a when, not an if. They're going to have them. They had, you know, some pretty good injury luck last year. Devonte Adams misses, you know, a month, and and Lane Taylor missed the whole season. But they were most of the season. But they were able to manage that because Elton Jenkins turns out is really good. Well, that's probably not going to happen this year. You're going to have some injuries. You might have some guys get COVID. And you're going to have to make do. Green Bay does have depth at a lot of the key positions. They don't have a ton of depth at offensive tackle. The fact that Billy Turner is able to play offensive tackle helps you. Lane Taylor has played offensive tackle as well. John Runyon was a tackle in college, although he is working pretty exclusively at guard so far. I thought long-term he might be a center, but Jake Hansen has been the number two center. Corey Lindsley was held out of practice. There's been some speculation you know, just some sort of reading of the tea leaves that maybe Corey Lindsley is not going to be a part of this team even this year, that they'd be comfortable if it's Lucas Patrick. And you save the money on the Lindsley deal. You can potentially roll it over next year when you may need it a little bit more. Maybe you cut Lindsley or you trade Lindsley and you extend Devontae Adams. You extend Aaron Jones. You use that cap space right away. You backfill it so that, you know, maybe next year the, the contract hit. Is a little bit more workable for the team. That's something that is certainly in the cards here. So this is all a wait and see situation. And you hope that, you know, the OTAs and the lack of offseason work is not the reason that this is all happening. But it is, it's really hard to not feel that way, to not look at it and go, man, this, this feels like it has to be related. Now, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We we really don't know. But it is something that you always have to be aware of. And the Packers were, they were really lucky last year with injuries. And that's something that is probably just not going to sustain moving forward. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. And Perry Goldstein from the Pack What She Said podcast is going to be on the program. Really excited to talk to her. Her and Maggie Loney do the Pack What She Said podcast. She's a contributor over at She Said TV. So... Excited to get her on the program and uh, pick her brain a little bit about what she is, is feeling about, what she is thinking about here as training camp rolls ahead. I'm, I'm always interested at what you know, Packer fans are, are talking about. What are they thinking? What are, what's, what are they looking for? What are they hoping to see? What are they hoping not to see? So excited to get her on the show tomorrow. And, of course, we'll be breaking down everything that is going on at training camp as it happens I really wish we were getting exhibition season because there are a lot of these guys that we'd like to see in some real games, but it's looking more and more like we're going to get real games, and, and that would just be great. It would be a great distraction from the NBA where the Bucks are trying to figure themselves out. It would be a great distraction from baseball where the Brewers are scuffling a little bit and, and not playing to where their talent says they probably should be. Plus, everyone loves football. Who does not want to see the Packers play? Raise your hand. You're probably not listening to this podcast if that's not what you want to see. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.